It's like a large flatbed tow truck, a long one I should say, and it's going per uh, perpendicular to the road, and it's just a, uh, a two, a four-lane road, two, two, two lanes going either way, and it's going just right across the road. I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? This guy trying to make a three-point turn in a neighborhood, <laughs> and and I see there's people standing around. I'm like, oh, maybe for some reason I thought it was a garage sale. I'm like, someone hired a tow truck to move. <laughs> A dresser or something. Okay. I'm not very smart. I was, I'm driving a stick. I'm, I'm just like, don't stall. And um, then I see that there's a uh, a minivan on the lawn. I'm like, oh. So my next thought is, oh, they bought a minivan in the garage. <laughs> Little did I see that the minivan's back was crunched in and the front was crunched. And also the house was crunched. And that's why everybody was standing around. There weren't great deals going on. But this house, I guess, went, I mean, this house. Yeah, this house was driving down the road. No, this this van must have lost control or something and just went, just ran right into the front of this house. And it was amazing. No one seemed to be hurt. There weren't any uh, ambulances there. There was a cop there. But uh, <laughs> like, I've never seen, like, you know, I've played enough games where I've run into a house with a car on accident but uh the the destruction was much either the uh the the front of the minivan was kind of made for to collapse upon impact it looked like a like a late 80s plymouth voyager oh. but uh <laughs> but but the house just looked like it had a you know like a a a divot kind of in in it uh and some of the the front paneling was cracked but no big gaping holes and no granny sitting in a barca lounger Missing her stories now. Um, it was much less dramatic, but it, but it was weird because it all started because I, th I thought someone was buying a something at a at a garage sale and needed a flatbed truck to pick it up. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> so instead of helping, I just went around. I'm like, God damn it, blocking traffic. What if I get into a car accident now? Right, sons of right. bitches. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know those houses. They're you know they got those crumple zones built in, so they're they're pretty <laughs> yeah. good. <laughs> the problem is driving your house too fast down the down the road when you're drunk when you're drunk at at three o'clock in the afternoon well see that's why you you know put um you know evenly spaced around the front of your property you put mm -hmm. uh like brick um flower beds that are like two feet tall so yeah. that a, a van doesn't crash into your house they'll just crash into the flower bed and fuck up their car or put kids out there That'll what? absorb some of the impact, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> too. Just put a no, put a bounce house in your front yard just all the time. I like it. <laughs> It'll be great. In front of my the house I grew up in had ivy. I could just see that kind of absorbing 
a whole vehicle though like it, the ivy itself is like this weird is this weird sentient vegetation anyway like it crawls up the house and it pulls the boards off the side of the house it's a violent although slow moving creature it's just i can see ivy just taking a child off the street and just absorbing it and getting nutrients and becoming more powerful that's like when you're in the house and you're in your house has ivy outside and you hear just a child laughing outside but you look out the window there's nothing there it's the ivy because it ate children ivy is dangerous don't ever put, yep. the, the point is don't put ivy on your house because it's a it's a bitch to maintain i would like to see a um like a like a it would probably be like a multi-year time lapse but it would be really cool to see a multi-year time lapse of ivy just consuming an old like wooden building and just like taking yeah. it apart that'd be pretty cool for one for some reason when i was a kid i <laughs> i i took like a steak knife like a cheap steak knife uh from the kitchen <laughs> i'm surprised no one questioned me about it and i i just buried it i didn't bury it i stabbed it into the ground in the in in the middle of this ivy lawn that we had out outside the house and just kind of left it there for eternity and I, just imagining maybe someday if, if my mom ever moves out of the house and someone else buys it or something like that they're pulling out of the ivy and they see this knife in the ground <laughs> and and just imagining what people think is like is this evidence <laughs> if we keep digging do we ever going to find a body but uh yeah uh it's probably still there kgb radio episode 52 the lonely edition yeah yeah indeed uh i am your host rock and joining me today uh my sole solitary guest mr d bethel hello i'm glad to be here since no one else could bother yeah i'm glad to how are you dan i'm doing well it's a warm afternoon here in california sacramento california but i'm i'm abiding beautiful 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 Oh, my goodness. So this this might be only like 45 minutes. Yeah, at best, if we're lucky. Well, it gets really long when, when all of us have to talk about the games that we played and such, and we all need to put in our two cents, you know? Yeah, or when three of us need to talk about Assassin's Creed for an hour. <laughs> Speaking of which... <laughs> Speaking of which, Dan, uh, what have you been playing? Well, um, I think last time I just started... That was, okay, so that was two weeks ago, right? Yes. Is that right? That The day that, that I think we recorded, I, I said I had purchased Assassin's Creed Revelations. Maybe it was either the day of recording or the day before. And I finished it. I finished the main story mission two days ago. And um, I, I could tell you it was good, but I'd be lying. I, you, you asked me last time about burnout. I think I was actually burnt out. Throughout the entire playthrough of this game, oh, I I did not pay attention to any story. <laughs> I did not care. I didn't read any of the. Well, I tend to like uh, play with the sound off because I don't know why. I like to listen to music that I care about instead. So I have the subtitles on and stuff. I just wasn't paying attention. I'm like, I just want to jump on things. I want to kill people, <laughs> and I want to get 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 new swords, and uh, that's what I did. The the best part of it was, in my opinion, I did pay attention when, whenever you played because uh, Revelations is interesting. You play an older Ezio. Yeah, he's like middle aged, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's still macking on this buxom young maiden. Oh, um, but uh, he, uh, you're collecting keys, Masiaf keys, which are are, are keys that um, Altair 
uh, kind of hid uh, because they key, their keys they get into the big assassin's library uh, in in the Masyaf castle. That's that's the the, the hub in in the first Assassin's Creed. Okay, and uh, so it's the part of the goal is for you to collect these keys, and and whenever you find a key, you go back to the sort of assassin's headquarters in uh, Constantinople where the game takes place, and uh, you get to play. It's it's weird. It's almost like Inception. You you play. You're playing as Desmond as Ezio. Who when you when you go back to the headquarters and, and uh, what do you call it? activate one of these keys, you then go into a, an Altair memory. So it's like three layers deep. Oh. So keys are the most exciting part because you go back to Altair and he gets fleshed out more as a character, and uh, he also ages through each sort of memory you, you go through. Like the last two, he's like 96 or something like that. So he doesn't do much. If you hold down the run button, he just kind of hobbles a little faster. He just... But, uh, uh... Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, that, was, that, was, that was fun. Otherwise, it's, the gameplay isn't too different from Brotherhood. Or two, for that matter. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was fine. I got what I got out of it, but uh, yeah, Brotherhood is still Far better, I would say. Yeah, that's that's largely what I heard. Um, I mean, you get that hook blade in uh, Revelations. Oh, fuck. I'm glad they didn't bring that back for three. That was ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, this is absolutely useless. What and, exactly does the hook blade even do? I, I'm not, I haven't played Revelations or Brotherhood, so I don't know. It allows you to X games through the... Uh, through the through Constantinople, All right. basically there there are you know uh, uh, lines uh, for some reason or other. Probably for I have no idea whether there's these lines connecting poles mounted on top of buildings that you can hook onto and slide down. Um, they don't really aid in transportation. Uh, you can do assassinations off of them, but that only really happens rarely. Um, it's 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 another useless system that they added and. Kind of kept going with. Um, very strange. I, I mean, like th- this is just my view from the outside looking in, but it kind of seemed like, well, we gotta add something new. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put a hook blade in there. Which is, I mean, what, what, what's interesting is that they decided to cut that out or, or not keep that and then build upon that um, with Assassin's Creed Three. Like, there's no hook blade. At least not... I mean, I apparently played Assassin's Creed 3 too fast or wrong because um, I missed out on a bunch of the systems that were involved in there. <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> like, I, it, I, the only thing I think I missed out on Assassin's Creed 3 by not playing Brotherhood first was the whole kind of Brotherhood system. Like, I'd recruit assassins, and I'd go through little missions that, that told me I could call them in to cause problems or get me into an area or something like that. But I never used it in Assassin's Creed 3 because I'm like, uh, I don't know, they could probably die or something. I didn't want to fuck everything up. I'm like, let me just handle this, guys. I know what I'm doing. Um, But uh, after playing Brotherhood and Revelations, I can see much more clearly how that system is supposed to work within the game. Right, right. But uh, the one thing that I... If I'm allowed to say one more thing about the Assassin's Creed series, <laughs> is that what I hated with uh, the addition, I think it's in Brotherhood, and they carried it through Revelations and in Assassin's Creed 3, that I absolutely hated. And I, and I actually don't understand um, theoretically um, or narratively, is that 
I think with with Brotherhood, they they you know you have to accept the the memory mission, and then there's like optional um, goals you can hit within each mission that'll help you achieve 100% synchronization with the memory. Like, do this mission, but but you won't get 100% unless you go through it undetected or don't kill anybody or something like that. Okay, that's different. And if you don't do that, you only get like 50% completion of that mission. And then what I first didn't like that about that, with especially with, Assass- with Assassin's Creed 3 when I first saw it, um, it's like, oh, thank you for popping up every time you, so you can tell me I'm a failure. That makes me feel happy <laughs> for playing this game. But then I was thinking about it, just within the, the sort of uh, the ludonarrative aspect of it, which is like, how can I... If if you're playing a memory, how can you only have have how can how can you have optional courses through a memory? It doesn't make sense. Okay, like yep. it's either one way or another. That's what again what I liked about Assassin's Creed One, despite it being almost uh, despite the the controls being absolutely unbearable. Um, at least it was at least it all made sense. Instead, they they kind of gamified it, starting with Assassin's Creed. Two, but that's fine. Assassin's Creed Two is fine, and but they they started adding all these you know things for the the hundred percenters, the, the guys that are completionists. Not to mention you know all the feathers and 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 other things that you can just collectible stuff, right? <clears throat> but this this optional aspect that prevents you from getting a hundred percent synchronization uh, just literally does not make any sense within the context of the game itself. And so even though it's it's most likely me just feeling bad about being told that I didn't do something perfectly, um, I think I have a little bit of ground to stand on <laughs> saying like, like, this doesn't make sense. You can't half do a memory or you can't, <laughs> you can't, you don't, a memory is not a choose your own adventure, especially if you're using it to gather information. I'm just, it's, it's all bullshit. There's no truth in this art. No, I, I definitely see what you mean. Um, I mean, j- just, man, you, you talking back about uh, the first Assassin's Creed, one thing that sticks out in my memory, um, and it's something that I'm noticing a lot in Assassin's Creed 2, is I, I really, um, you know, I really miss uh, how much time you got to spend as Desmond in the first game. Um, yeah. You, you know, in the first game, there were a lot of moments where you would go back to Desmond, and yeah. it, it seemed like almost every mission, you know, after every mission, you would mm-hmm. go back to being Desmond. And you weren't doing a lot, but, you know, you could walk around and you could, uh, you know, eavesdrop on conversations and, you know, yeah, stuff and like it was, that. Yeah, and it was important, right? You yeah. learned game, You learned story through Desmond. Yeah. Whereas after that, it just kind of became, well, we got to go back to Desmond, right? All right. All right, let's just go back for five minutes. But you guys don't have to do anything. You can just get right back in the animus. We're cool. Well, uh, like, it, I mean, with two, like, I'm, I can't even tell. I'm probably, you know, twelve to fifteen hours into two right now, yeah. and, um, it hasn't gone back to Desmond once since they got to the uh, the assassins' hideout. Yeah. Like it hasn't gone back to Desmond once, and it's like, yeah. well, fuck! Like I want to go back to Desmond. Like mm-hmm. I know that that's not necessarily like the most action-packed stuff, but like I, w- I, I, I'm, I keep on finding myself like every time I finish a mission, like I keep on 
waiting for them to drop back out to Desmond and and have him just wander around and like talk to the people in the assassin's base and stuff. Yeah, well, that's that's. I mean, that gets back to what I was kind of complaining about last time about the Assassin's Creed series is that the big mistake they made, even though it actually is, it made the game even, it made it, it made Assassin's Creed two good, is that with Assassin's Creed two, it became no longer Desmond's story. It became Ezio's story because yep. because because it's an origin story, and so we actually care more about Desmond. I, I mean, sorry, Ezio in that in Assassin's Creed two than we do about Desmond because. Desmond has no room to quote unquote grow. There's a, he does a little bit of growth throughout the game, but but we're seeing Ezio from sort of his conception as an assassin. Yeah, which yeah. is why you are kind of liking Desmond or more interested, <coughs> excuse me, as in Desmond in Assassin's Creed One. And actually, what I liked about Assassin's Creed One is that um, Altair and I said this before, so I'm I'm sorry if I'm covering the same ground. Assassin's Creed One. It's Desmond's story, but you're learning more about him through by playing an avatar, right? You're playing Altair. And everything Altair does and all the information he's getting is there to benefit Desmond's story for that game. Because Desmond is, is, is a captive, right? He's, he's a prisoner. And he's being used. And... Um, the, a lot of the Desmond scenes are, are sort of showing how what, what Altair found in that mission is actually furthering the cause of the what abstergo is that the name of the company yep um and what's what the way they they, they accomplish you they, the way they accomplish the goal of making you care about desmond is because he's actually in a situation that he needs to get out of altair is simply stripped of his rank but he's a pro like he's not starting from scratch he's just like well shit i just got to get back in good graces but it's kind of cool. It's like I'm playing a guy doing his job as Altair. Like, there's no the the point of the game is not for hit to see Altair's growth as a character. It's just it's it's about getting the information that's needed for Desmond's story. And so I kind of like that. It's like I'm actually not learning how to be an assassin. Like once I go into the uh, Animus, I am an assassin. Like Al- Altair is 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 a pro. He doesn't need to. He he doesn't need. A motivation aside from just getting his shit back, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I'm it's it's a power fantasy in the sense that like it's 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 almost a quote unquote it's almost a sim right I, it's an assassin sim but it's fantasy right um, but you're playing as an assassin whereas with starting with Assassin's Creed two it it's about the story of. Ezio. It's about the story of how he goes from being a normal guy, a womanizing young man, to becoming the head of the Assassin's Creed thing. But, you know, it's it's not about just... And, and that takes focus away from Desmond, I guess is what I'm saying. And that, that was the biggest flaw, the sort of narrative shift from being Desmond's story to being Ezio's story. And, and, and that's only reinforced by the fact that they made two more games that star Ezio. It's, it's weird. And, and in Revelations... Desmond's in there, but he's he even Desmond is not even in the real world anymore. His the whole impetus of that game is he gets locked in the Animus, and so he's already like a digitized version of himself. And you got to go become Ezio to help free Desmond from his mind lock in the Animus. It's really strange, but it does move from being Desmond's story to Ezio's story. And uh, I talk too much. <laughs> oh boy. Um- it's just something I, the the game weirds me out. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I want to say about it, and 
Because I know there's, I, I could write something about Assassin's Creed. I just don't know what to say about it because there's so much weird shit going on. But it's so brilliant and maddening. Is I, yeah, there we go. Done. Well, um, I mean, well, I'm not far in the series. You're you're further than I am. Yes. So my understanding is that Desmond's story is over after a certain point. Correct. By th- I mean. At the end of three, I guess his story is over. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I I didn't realize it went that far. I thought it was over after uh, Revelations. No. I mean, you're still De- you're still Desmond in three. Um, but I will be honest that Desmond f- from Assassin's Creed two through Brotherhood, Revelations, and Assassin's Creed three, there's not a whole lot that happens in his story. By the end of Assassin's Creed 2 to the end of Assassin's Creed 3. Not much happens because all the game is then, like I said, that shift. It's all thrust upon the stories of the these avatars, of these memories. And so they had to make a compromise and just keep whatever happens to Desmond very minimal. Basically, he accomplishes one thing per game after Assassin's Creed 2. Um, and it gets he, he becomes really boring. That's That's why... That's why a lot of people you see a lot of complaint online about Desmond because he's he's not given anything to do except lie in a cool-looking bed. Sorry, I was holding my breath. I had hiccups. Oh, I thought this. Now it's a podcast of one. Welcome to (laughs) Assassin's Creed Hour. Yep, I passed out, so it's just (laughs) it's your show now. Uh, Well, have you been playing anything else, or has it just been Assassin's Creed? Pretty much just Assassin's Creed. The other day I popped in uh, Transformers Fall of Cybertron <laughs> just to shoot shit up. Shut up. It's an amazing game. It's 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 an okay game. It's a game. But it's fun. Wow, you, that, you, can transform, uh... you can transform into a car and shoot shit, and then you can transform into a robot. You can be a car and then jump a ramp and then fucking turn into a robot and be shooting shit out of there. It's awesome. It's a good game. It's just not a good game. Hmm. It's not a capital G good game. It's a lowercase g good game. Isn't it fun? It's functional. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just nothing to really write home about. Um, Who makes that? High Moon? That is High Moon, who just released Deadpool, I believe. (laughs) Yep. No. Was that High Moon or High Voltage? Oh, that was High Moon. I don't even know who the fuck High Voltage is. Uh, High Voltage. Um... (laughs) The only game of theirs that I played, I know they've made more since then, but the only game of theirs that I played was a, a PS2 game called Hunter the Reckoning uh, Wayward on the PS2. Oh, yeah. That game was actually really fucking cool. I, I like that game a lot. I, I wish that um, it existed in, in, you know, a modern time so I could still play it. But that game's a lot of fun. Yeah, but it was, it was High Moon that released Deadpool. Sadly, apparently. Eesh. Yikes. Uh, Alright, well, let's see. Um, I, Rob, I've, what have you been playing? <laughs> um, well, I've been playing... Uh, I'm still going through Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm somewhere around like 15, min- or 15 hours into it. Not 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, it's fine. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's fine. You learn to love it if you move on to Assassin's Creed 3, because you're like, wow, there's so many more pretty buildings to climb up on. That's, okay. I guess, that's, that's what I love about that. I love about the Assassin's Creed games. I can climb up pretty buildings and then jump off of them. Uh, that, that just does it for me. I don't know. I could just do that all day. 
Uh, I, I definitely do not like um, the idea of trying to find all of these hidden glyphs on buildings. Oh, to that's get my favorite truth. part. Um, I, I don't know. It, whatever. I mean, it, it's a good game, uh, and I'm, I'm working my through my way through it. But it's you know, it's fine. Whatever. Um, I, I've been playing more of uh, Dishonored oh, as well. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good game. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know how far I am into it. Uh, I'm at the point right now where I'm I'm at uh, Lady Boyle's party, and I'm trying to find out mm-hmm. who Lady Boyle is. Uh, so I there are three of them, and I need to find and kill the right one. I see. Are you playing that on Steam? Yeah. Yep. I see. Uh, it's cool. Um, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's a really well put together game. Um, I, I I really I definitely appreciate the. Um, you know the, the the bevy of options that you have for completing missions, and um, it's uh, it's cool. I, I you know the there's always that temptation to just kind of run in and just you know hack and slash your way through it, but that is actually probably the hardest way to play that game. Where you know yeah. in in a lot of games that's the easiest way to play the game is to just rush in and kill everybody. Um, you know, uh, Deus Ex is is a pretty good example of that. Where mm-hmm. um, just you know, just being a mass murderer is the easiest way. In Dishonored, if you do that, you you can do it. You can totally do it, but it's going to be really hard. So <laughs> it, that's cool. a that's well, Bethesda published that. Who actually developed it? Arcane. Who are they? Um, they. I think the oh, the they last did Bioshock two, right? No, that was um two K Marin. Oh okay. <laughs> um, they worked no, on it, I think. I'm not uh, well, the, I mean, you definitely see like tr- like influences of Bioshock, but um, no, Arcane. Uh, they did um, Dark Messiah of Might and Magic a few years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, they also did uh, before that. They did um, Arx Fatalis. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, it's. Arcane seems to have a thing with, uh, you know, first-person melee combat being a pretty, you know, a pretty complicated thing in their games. Um, but also, uh, Harvey Smith was on um, Dishonored. That's a fake person. Come on. No, Harvey Smith. He he was. Uh, he's he was <laughs> His brother John Smith. <laughs> no, he worked on uh, Thief. Oh, right, um, okay. Yes, and uh, Victor Antonov was one of the uh, art leads on that. He was uh, the art lead on uh, Half-Life 2. I so, see. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad Dishonored. I mean, dis- well, so in that case, I mean, sure, they have Arx Fatalis and, and Dark Messiah of Might Magic, but that's almost ancient history at this point. It, it Dishonored, if anything, I know we're talking about a, a year-old game at this point, but it's nice to see that uh, even though they've been around a while, they haven't really had a huge game attached to them since the last, you know, before the, this this decade. Dishonored. What I'm saying is, Dishonored really kind of put them on the map as a really important studio to possibly watch uh, in the future. Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, you know, I, I don't think that uh, Dark Messiah or Arx Fatalis were really, you know, smash hits for Arcane. Um, Dishonored definitely seems like the big like breakout hit for them. Um, and good, good for them. You know, I, totally. I played uh, Dark Messiah um, when it first came out, and uh, it was fine. It was it was a little bit flawed, but it definitely had some some good stuff. The the uh, melee combat definitely being uh, being one of the high points of that game, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, it's it's cool. I I think they just, you know, this to me, Dishonored is one of those cases where, um, you know, the the chemistry just worked out beautifully for them. You know, you get one of the brains behind Thief. You know, you get the art director from Half Life Two, yeah. and you get a studio that is very good at you know, melee games and, and you put it all together and it's, I, I think that that worked out very well. Uh, they have DLC coming out for that or did it come out for that? Or is there, are there any current plans to keep that game going or are they just kind of moving forward? Do you know? Um, there's, uh, there's one DLC out right now called the knife of Dunwall where mm. you actually play as, um, one of the villains from the, the, the main game, um, I, I want to say that you actually play as, uh, one of the guys who assassinated the Empress in the beginning of Dishonored. Um, and then there's some other, uh, DLC, the Witches of Something or Other, uh, that's coming out soon, I think, where you, you play as the same character from Knife of Dunwall. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm glad they're still supporting it and putting out content for it. That's always good. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, that's that's cool. Um, so, I'm happy with that so far. But, uh, uh, so, I've also been playing um, State of Decay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The zombie game, right? <laughs> yeah. The zombie uh, game. Capital T, capital Z. That's the only one ever made, right? The zombie game. <laughs> um, I, I went through a kind of a, a an evolution of feelings with this game. I I saw, um, you know, I saw when it came out, and I just I I don't know. I I was kind of chased away initially by a lot of people talking about the jankiness of it. And um, explain what do you mean by that? Well, um, you know, one thing was I was watching the uh, the giant bomb quick look, which was like over an hour long, and. Um, they, you know, they talked about, and a bunch of reviews and stuff talked about how, uh, you know, there's, there's frequent texture pop-in, um, weird clipping issues, um, you know, screen tearing, occasionally the frame rate would uh, chug a little bit. But, you know, even in the face of all that, I was like, you know, I, 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 I kind of need to check this game out. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I just didn't really know anything about it. it. It did seem to get a lot of really good press once, I guess, the kinks got ironed out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's, um, what's the kind of conceit? What makes it different from something like DayZ or Z-Day or Days, whatever, you know? <laughs> There's a bunch of... War, war Z, Z-War? I'm going to shut up. Um, basically, it takes a lot of the... Um, most intriguing elements of uh, Daisy, um, to me, those being an open world with zombies, okay. um, where scavenging is important, um, and it, uh, it it strips out some of the more uh, kind of arcane and and you know, in my opinion, boring elements of of similar games. Like uh, you know, in Daisy, you could often go hours, literally hours wandering through the wilderness without anything really happening. Um, in, uh, in, in, in State of Decay, it's, it's a little bit more of a tight experience. It's still open world. And, um, you know, th there's a big focus on, um, 
managing your base. You you have this you know this church that you, you that you end up at. That's kind of your 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 home base, and um, you know there are a lot of people there, and you have to deal with group dynamics. You know, like someone might be upset because you know there's not enough medicine, or someone might be you know you, you might need to take someone out to talk to them. You know, and just say like, hey, listen up. You know, yeah, yeah, get your shit straight. Um, but you need to also manage uh, resources for that base too. So you know what I mean. You've got like building materials, you've got medicine, ammo, um, stuff like fuel, and um, you know, in order to bring that stuff back to the base, you need to find in the surrounding areas places that have that stuff. And you can bring it back yourself. You can um, have the base send a runner out to gather that stuff, um, and and that enables you to build. Uh, add-ons to your base so you can build you know a workshop so you can manufacture simple things like silencers or molotov cocktails uh, or you can build um you know a, a bunkhouse so that you can harbor more people because you will find other survivors out there and you can bring them back and you know the survivors have different skills um you know so uh you might bring back a, a you know a tool expert who can help you mm. repair your cars or you might bring back a doctor who can help uh, people heal faster when they come back so there's a lot of management involved um, but it's just it, it's it's a lot of fun you, you have this you know very limited uh, backpack space and you've got to you know you've got to take these characters out and and you know choose what you know what you're going to do as far as um y you'll get missions that just kind of pop up at random like oh well this person saw a weird kind of zombie over here so you can go over and help them out or uh one of our scouts got you know cornered by a bunch of zombies so try to go help them out and um you know if if you neglect these people they will die and they're gone forever when they die so you can lose major characters in this game um and wow, that sounds pretty cool, actually. <laughs> it, it's, it's actually fucking awesome. I, I would say that at this point, um, I'm probably about five or six hours into it, um, and I, I'm really enjoying it. The one thing that's missing, and this isn't, to me, a huge omission, but I would say the one is it thing a, that's... Is it, a nude, is it a nude code? It's missing a nude code? Oh, nudie code! Uh, <laughs> no. It's actually uh, multiplayer. I think this game would be huh. great if you could... Be, because the, the game has a mechanic in it where you can go up to a survivor, and if you are... If they trust you enough... Um, you can ask them to come with you, and they'll just follow you uh, to wherever you go, um, you mm. know, and, and help you kill zombies or help you bring back supplies. So, you know, it seems like it would be a pretty simple matter to um, just make it so that instead of it being an AI, it's just another player coming with you. Totally. Um, that sounds great, actually. Oh, it's so good. I, I'm, I'm so happy that I picked it up. Like, there, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, I mean, your weapons are not very durable, you know, so you want to, you know, y you always want to make sure that you have a spare weapon with you. Um, you know, uh, y you can bring guns if you want to, but guns, like, you can actually see on your little mini-map, um, you know, a sound radius of, of, of how much sound you're making. And obviously guns are, like, some of the most loud things you can, you can use. So, yeah, a gun is probably going to drop a zombie in one shot, but you're also going to attract the attention of a lot more zombies in your area. It's um, it's cool. It's uh, I I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I you know, it, uh, <laughs> there's so much that goes into it. Uh, it it's it's a very it's a very interesting uh, zombie game. It, it really does. Um, what I 
finished watching the uh, Giant Bomb quick look of it and and uh, seeing some other things about it, I, I, you know, it felt to me like this is kind of the zombie game that I have wanted forever. You know, not, uh, you know, it, it takes all of the really great stuff from Daisy and strips out all the shitty stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't have, uh, you know, some of the uh, the kind of arcane elements of that game. And um, well, it sounds like it takes all the elements of kind of the, the sort of, what do you call it? Uh, 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 shit, what's the word? <laughs> um, like task-based kind of... Uh, uh, God damn it! <sighs> Cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's the word when you like someone offers you like some like, some offers you up like a goal that you have to go pursue in an open world game? Objectives. Sure. There we go. Mission. Uh, objective mission. Jesus Christ, Dan. Two English degrees. I can't remember one fucking word. Okay. Um, <laughs> mission-based kind of open world gameplay style, but actually modifies it to uh, fit the tone of a survivalist zombie game, which sounds pretty cool. And and like what you said, it's kind of something that, you know, maybe it, it seems to collect all the pieces that things like uh, Daisy and, and, and even like maybe Left 4 Dead or something like that p- kind of combines all these things into one maximum package where it just kind of is everything. Yeah, yeah, it's you can definitely see where it's pulling uh, pulling ideas from a lot of other games in, in a really good way. Um, yeah, and and yeah, it, it it's cool. I I think that the I mean, right now it's only on uh, Xbox 360. They right. were talking about um, they're hoping to do a PC release at some point, but um, that's probably not going to happen until at the soonest, uh, the end of the year. And I was I was initially gonna wait for a PC version, but after doing a bunch of reading and stuff, I was like, this isn't even guaranteed to come to PC, so I'll just buy it now on Xbox. It's it's cool. It, it was, um, I think it was like 20 bucks. Um, and so far, I'm, I'm really happy with with how much I've gotten out of it. It's just, <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Yeah, it sounds really good. I mean, it sounds like a kind of zombie game I'd like to play, aside from something like Telltale's The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, it definitely provides a different experience from that. It's, it's, you know, a lot of it is, is, um, uh, you know, resource management and and also risk management. You know, like um, mm-hmm. they'll you'll see on your map, like, oh, hey, there's a, you know, there's a, a a diner here, so we might be able to find some food supplies there. So you can go over to that diner and check it out, and um, you know, it's all about risk. You know, how much are you going to risk in trying to get to that diner uh, when you're searching that diner? You know, you're you're putting yourself at risk of zombies attacking you there. Um, you know, when you find um, large amounts of supplies there you can you can call the base to send a scavenger you're risking that scavenger's life you know like that scavenger is is uh you know a a person who could um you know accompany you on missions or who if you gain their trust enough you could actually play as that character but if that person dies you know on the way to that that diner that you said hey come get some supplies that character is gone forever like there there are so many just ah just phenomenal aspects of that game it's so cool that's wild i mean i'm just looking it up right now i hadn't it is a completely different game than i thought it was i thought it was like a full-on retail game but it's an arc it's an xbox arcade game download yep wow okay wow (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm, and, I'm downloading the trial as we speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be honest, the, 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 the one thing that put me off from it was the jankiness that I had heard about. And, you know, it's not as bad as I had been led to believe. There, there's definitely some texture pop-in, but I really don't notice it unless I'm actually specifically looking for it. Um, you know, other things like, yeah, occasionally, like, characters will clip through stuff, or a zombie will, like, you know, clip through a dumpster or something like that, but it's it's not, like, none of it is game-breaking. I haven't seen any, like, major screen tearing. I've seen very little, uh, you know, frame rate, you know, dropping way low or anything like that. It's, you know, there's a lot, of, there's been a lot of talk about the jankiness of this game, and may, I mean, maybe it's been updated since it came out. I mean, it's almost Possibly, two yeah. months old right now so there, there could have been updates but uh i'm not seeing the jankiness that a lot of people have talked about well if it's not game breaking i mean i played through the early you know original release of fallout new vegas and that, oh! is... <laughs> <laughs> that i put it down for a year and a half <laughs> yeah yeah um no n- nothing that i've seen so far is game breaking it's um it's pretty solid and i i'm really happy with it um, Whom, they, is, is is the maker of the game anybody we know? Uh, no, this is actually their first game. It's called Undead Labs, and um, th- huh. this is their first the first game they've ever made. And um, wow, yeah, yeah. Uh, my understanding is that um, if this game does well enough for them, uh, their their next project is um, essentially a similar game but in an MMO format. So. Um, and, and I mean, this this game definitely lends itself to an MMO type format, you know, with uh, mm-hmm. randomly uh, random missions, you know, popping up, um, you know, on timers and stuff like that, and uh, you know, managing supplies in your base and stuff like that. I, I could definitely see that fitting into an MMO. Um, I, I hope at some point they'll patch multiplayer into mm-hmm. this game because that would just, oh, that would just make it perfect for me. It's so. So Does it good. take place some somewhere specific, or is it just kind of just um, America? It, it's yeah, it's just America. It's um, it, it's some made up places. Basically, uh, the game starts in uh, at this place called Mount Tanner, which is like a okay. uh, it's like it's like a national park almost. Um, mm-hmm. And then you end up in a little town whose name I don't know. Um, that's close to a slightly larger town whose name I don't know. Um, but uh, my understanding is that it, it, it's all just made-up places in, you know, America. Sounds good. You convinced me. Um, Rock, changing one life at a time. Yep, yep, that's what I do. That's what I'm about. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I don't really have anything else, so um, how about we go to break? Sounds good. All right, we will be right back. Yep. In the backyards, an apple orchard, that'll never grow a single piece of fruit. Cause I've been waiting for 20 years, and I ain't ever seen a single leaf move. So I go out. I come in And I turn my back and even close my eyes And I know a split second before I die A big red one will rise Yeah 
I was the victim of racism. Okay, how? So my wife and I moved into this house in December, and uh, we're not very social people, but we met our immediate neighbors and stuff. But last week, I got a knock on the door, which scares the cats and is very unpleasant otherwise. And I open the door, and there's this very, very old man. And he says, my name is Joe. I live three houses down. And we have a lemon tree. And I brought over some lemons. And he has Karen's plastic bag full of lemons. And I said, oh, that's cool. Thanks. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I should probably be a good neighbor. My name's Dan. He's like, Dan? I'm like, yeah, Dan Bethel. He's like, Bethel, huh? Now, Bethel is a, is a Hebrew name. I am not Jewish. It's one of those classic cases of, like, my family moved from Wales, where our original family name was a word, was a two-word last name, uh, Apithel. And we moved to, like, London, and they wrote it down wrong. One of those things. And so be, Apithel became Bethel, and we just kept it. And... Um, Daniel, of course, is a Hebrew name from the Old Testament, so I've got a very Jewish name. And but he's he sat there for a second, he's like Bethel, huh? And just kind of regarded it for maybe a second or two too long. And I'm like, he's judging me because he thinks I'm a Jew. <laughs> like I was offended, even though I am not Jewish, even remotely. But I took his lemons, and they sat on the counter for a week, and then I threw them away. I don't know, but I was, I'm still very hurt by it. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, neighbor guy. No, old guy. His name is Joe Johnson, and his wife is named Virginia, who goes by Ginny. So they're Joe and Ginny Johnson. Joe and Ginny Johnson. They sound like, like racist to me. <laughs> very much so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, we are back. Uh, the song bringing us in is an original recording by one... D. Bethel about an apple orchard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, t- it's a Tom Waits song with half the talent. <laughs> recorded, yep. Written and recorded in the same night, 3 o'clock in the morning, after a long night working at a movie theater. You know, it's fine. Oh, it's I'm perfectly I'm, fine. I'm not complaining. Okay. All right. It's made me lots of money after this airing. <laughs> right. I'm sure. Yep. Contracts are signed. No, the check's in the mail. That's fine. Good. Yeah. Uh, so news. Yeah, that. Uh, news. Boop. Um, alright, so the first (laughs) news item, uh, we have, um, Bethesda Softworks, uh, has said that their upcoming, uh, AAA lineup, uh, which includes The Elder Scrolls Online, Wolfenstein Mm -hmm. The New Order, and The Evil Within, um, all of which will not be released on the Wii U. Are we really surprised? Nope. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean... It's... I mean... Has any third party really come out in support of the Wii U? <laughs> no. No. Uh, not not really. Um, I mean, Pete Hines at Bethesda, he attributed it to hardware um, power issues, which... I don't think is really the case. I think it has more to do with um, install base than anything else. Yeah, I mean, there's also that news that the that the the Wii sold more this quarter than the Wii U did. Yes, this quarter it sold like 160,000 units worldwide. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it just... They are not the first um, third-party uh, publisher to look at the Wii U and say, no, we won't be doing why, that. Why don't you believe that the tech, that the... The, the hardware is, is the issue, the technology behind the hardware. Uh, well, because, you know, the, these games that they're talking about, the, the Elder Scrolls Online, Wolfenstein the New Order, and The Evil Within, um, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that those games are coming to uh, Xbox 360 and PS4 as well, uh, as well as the, the next-gen consoles. Um, I see. PS, so, so it's coming. It's they're coming to Xbox 360 and PS3 as well as X, Xbone and PS4. I think so. Um, yeah. At which point, if if they are coming to Xbox 360 and PS3, then from a hardware perspective, there's really no reason it wouldn't work on the Wii U. The Wii U is technically more powerful than sure. either of the current gen consoles. But but that's the thing. Like it, it, it Wii U caught up to the current gen at the very least. It's still not. Would you argue that the Wii U is even next gen beyond its its extra tablet periphery peripheral? Um, no, not really. I mean, I would say that it's basically realistically, it's probably like just a better current gen. I mean, it has sure. more RAM than either of the two current consoles and uh, a little bit more powerful of a graphics processor. Which you'd um, expect to be the last console released of this generation. <laughs> right, right. right it, you'd, you'd expect it to be the most powerful of this generation, which it is, even though they're trying to advertise it as being their next generation console. But it, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's just simply... It, it's their first HD console, for Christ's sake. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's... it's yeah. Like, looking at that and going, you know, well, Skyrim can run on an Xbox 360, and, you know, looking at it through that lens, like, Skyrim almost definitely could run on a Wii U. It should be able to, but for Bethesda, it's just a matter of, well, you don't have the install base, so it's just not worth the time and effort that we would put into it to port it over to the Wii U. And so. Skyrim came out two years ago, almost two years ago. Like anybody that wanted to play Skyrim has not been holding out for the next Nintendo system. Oh sure, I, I was just using that as no. an example. But well, ex exactly. I mean, but 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 if that's their argument, that anything that at this point, sure, Bethesda is still making stuff for the current generation, but is also making stuff for the next. Every thir major third-party company is looking forward at this point, right? Yeah, I'd say so. So. If, if the Xbox 360 and the PS3, in a sense, are going to be kind of slowly phased out, um, and if and if the Wii U is basically kind of the the high end of the current generation, why would they, if they're going to not focus on the 360 and the PS3, why would they focus on the Wii U? If, it, if it's really only marginally better than, than the current generation, which insinuates that it's significantly or marginally less impressive or or or, or uh, capable than the next generation yeah yeah i mean it just seems like um from a money standpoint it's just probably not worth bethesda's while to you know spend the money on a port to the wii u if they just don't have the install base that's true i mean and ports usually involve hiring another studio a lot of 
ports are done by not the original studios, if I'm not mistaken. Um, for the most part, I think you're right. I, I want to say, I could be wrong, but I want to say that Bethesda does their own, all their own stuff, uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to porting. Um, but I just, I, I mean, how long has it been since we had a Bethesda game on a Nintendo console? <laughs> Ever? It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and, and part of that is because, you know, Bethesda games push you know, are, are known for pushing the limits of, of what, you know, a, a given system can do. I mean, yeah. I remember when, when um, you know, when, when Oblivion came out, it was, you know, it just, it, it was absolutely groundbreaking as far as what it, what it pushed. Um, I mean, it was a very mm-hmm. early uh, 360 game and it was, it was really bad on 360. Um, you know, sure. but I mean, Skyrim too, Skyrim, it, it just, it, it, it Bethesda is is one of those boundary pushing developers, and if yeah. your hardware isn't capable of you know pushing that boundary too, then they just don't have a use for you. Or, or, or more to the case, it seems like with the Wii U, Bethesda does not see any boundaries worth pushing. Sure. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that if you're trying to push the boundaries, you're going to do it on the most powerful hardware possible. And yeah. in this day and age, that means you're going to do it on the PC, you're going to do it on PS4, and you're going to do it on Xbone. <laughs> yeah. That means that the Wii U is left woefully just incapable. Which has been Nintendo's problem for the last, I guess, two two console cycles for them. Um. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Nintendo's strength has always been their first-party titles, sure. um, and, and they they have a reputation for being kind of unfriendly and, in some cases, antagonistic toward third-party developers. And that, yeah, that's been the case since the NES, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. With the whole Nintendo seal of approval and stuff like that. Right. But but even then, with the with the last two generations of Nintendo consoles, it, it's, it's weird. It's like they have their own definition for next generation, and with them and and. It's so funny with the Wii, they actually kind of influenced the the trend a little bit by saying next generation in our case, as we're defining it, is simply hardware with the motion controls stuff like that. And and since the Wii was selling so incredibly, Microsoft and Sony got scared. Like we got to have motion control shit too. Let's have a camera stare at you and let's have you hold fucking ice cream cones. No. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, good on Nintendo for uh, kind of being able to define next generation on their own terms. Um, I mean, I know that uh, when the Wii first came out, I kind of bought into at least what they were saying, too, in, in saying, like, well, no, next generation doesn't necessarily mean better graphics. It means new ways to play your games. Which no one really incorporated, even Nintendo after a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think the Wii U has a really tough uh, road ahead of it, um, just like the Wii did, where um, you know third-party developers are going to be are going to be developing for the most advanced systems out there, and um, the Wii is just going to get kind of left behind. Yeah. Well, I mean, video games consoles are already kind of a niche market, even though they're very widespread. But to be a niche within a niche is dangerous for the company, I would say. Uh, yeah, definitely. 
We'll see. I'm interested to see what happens to Nintendo in the next 15 years. Oh, it's going to be really bizarre. I really wonder if they're going to go the way of Sega. Um, you know, a lot of people have speculated about that, um, uh, that exact thing, and and I, I mean, the thing is, is that at the end of the day, Nintendo is still very cash wealthy. Um, I mean, they have billions yeah. of dollars in the bank. So you know, the Wii U failing. Um, doesn't really mean anything. They can they can coast on the sales of their handhelds, yeah, um, which are doing and pretty well. I think the Wii was an unprecedented success because of not so much the motion control as much as the they they they, they figured out a casual gaming console that was very popular with the advent of Wii Sports. Let's be honest. I would argue that Wii Sports sold that console and made it what it was with the Wii. Sure, that's fair. And I mean, but 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 I know people that haven't turned on their Wii for years, though they have one. And when they do, it is only when everybody's drunk and let's say let's play Wii bowling for fifteen minutes. Right. So I don't know. I I think they made a bunch of cash on the Wii, but but the problem is is that I don't think I think it's a one time deal. They really need to fucking evaluate what is going on with the market. Instead, they really seem to be an insular uh, force and and, and don't want to play the game, (laughs) ironically, that is actually being played in the console market. It's it's weird. It's really kind of sad to see how far they've fallen, I would argue. Even even despite the, the success of the Wii, it really seems like they have dropped off the map of common sense. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be see, uh, going to be interesting to see. Sorry, uh, what happens <laughs> once the Xbone and PS4 hit? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see where the Wii U falls after that. So good on you, Bethesda, for stating the obvious. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, they're certainly not the first uh, <laughs> of the uh, third-party developers to say, no, we don't want to. We don't want to do that. Uh, in other news, um, Fez 2 is canceled? <laughs> yeah. Maybe? Yeah, it's, uh, go ahead and tell us this story. This is wild. <laughs> so, um, uh, Phil Fish on Polytronics, uh, sorry, Polytron's website um, basically just said flat out, Fez 2 is canceled. I am done. I take the money and I run. This is as much as I can stomach. This isn't the result of any one thing, but the law, the end of a long, bloody campaign. You win. I don't know who the you is in this case, but... Uh, is, that a, is that a quote? Yeah, that was a quote. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, a, there was a big blowout between him and game trailers and some other people. Um, you know, Basically, he Philfish. He he kind of has has a history of reacting pretty poorly to uh, criticism um, and, and kind of throwing tantrums, and um, this seems like a, kind of the the end result of a of a tantrum. Or, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he no, I think criticism. that's the right word for it. Yeah, yeah. He 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 got some criticism and just basically said, you know what? Fuck you guys. Fuck you. I'm done. I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother. Yeah, um, but he could probably also get a job at any company he wanted. I don't necessarily know that that's true. Um, Never mind. Because he 
he has since uh, uh, since Fez, he has kind of built a reputation um, around himself of being difficult to work with, of you know being a crybaby, of throwing tantrums <laughs> kind of at the drop of a hat. So I wouldn't necessarily say that he could get a job anywhere. I mean, he he's kind of yeah, he has had a couple of blowouts very publicly yeah. over pretty minor things. I mean, like, yeah, you got criticized publicly. So you're going to stop making your game? Yeah. Well, there was the game-breaking update to Fez, right? Where, like, saves got corrupted or something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then, yeah, whatever happened behind Fez 2, it's just bizarre. He's a personality. He's a new personality to the gaming culture, and you know it's you know it's nice to have someone that's so prone to dramatics. Uh, I think I think we needed something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I never played the first Fez, so um, the fact that there's a, a sequel might not happen doesn't really affect me that much. Yeah. I I, I feel like um, in Phil Fish's case it. I feel like at least part of it was um, a case of a guy who got a lot more of the spotlight than he was maybe prepared for, um, and maybe didn't necessarily know how to respond to a lot of the attention that he got as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe someone who never even intended to be in the spotlight as much as he is, or, or has been. I mean, if you think about it, like, you look at uh, Indie Game, the movie, mm-hmm. sure, they feature people like Jonathan Blow and uh, the people behind uh, Super Meat Boy, but, like, to me, anyway, that movie is really mostly about Phil Fish and his personality, sure. Sure. and it doesn't really show him in the most positive light. Fair enough, yeah. And I think it's an interesting kind of situation. He was uh, with Indie Game, the movie especially, and just sort of the modern market. Um, it, it, we're entering this sort of, or we're in this phase with gaming celebrity where developers are now actually kind of celebrities of their own right. From everyone from Phil Fish to like Cliffy B. You know, it's, uh, it's a new... It's a new world, and, and a new celebrity is coming forth. And maybe when he started making games, you know, it was just about making games. He wasn't necessarily even expecting to become a, a public figure. But um, you know, it's it's not surprising that anybody would kind of, anybody would kind of crumble under the the scrutiny of of being covered in the in the media. It's I don't blame him to that to that effect. You don't become a video game creator to be a celebrity. <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's it's definitely uh just I, I think that people react differently to being, you know, to being public figures. You know, uh, some people handle it better than yeah. others. Um and I think that he's just a, a person who, you know, having been such a public figure and uh as a result of that documentary, um I just, he seems like someone who just doesn't handle it well, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. No big loss. Yeah, I, I, I really don't care that much. Fez was good. It's a good contribution. Let's move on. We're all waiting for the next good game. Speaking of which, um, the next good game might be Shadow of the Eternals. Could be. 
It could be. That's by the. That's a pseudo sequel or actual sequel to uh, Eternal Darkness from the GameCube. Uh, it's a spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. Because I'm pretty sure Nintendo owns the Eternal oh, Darkness yeah. property. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a crazy game. Yeah. Um. So after uh, a lot of, well, <laughs> it's funny to me because um. You know, fans had been clamoring for a sequel for pr- pretty much since the original, um, since the original uh, Shadow or what the hell is that game called? <laughs> Shadow of the Eternal Darkness. Eternal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> s- since the first um, Eternal Darkness came out, um, and uh, Silicon Knights just seemed to just want to do their own thing. You know, they they did yeah. uh, they did Two Human. And then for years, <laughs> the only thing they did was try to sue Epic, which they lost that lawsuit finally. Um, <laughs> they should make a game out of suing Epic. <laughs> well, and then they did uh, X-Men Destiny, which from everything I heard Ooh. was not a super great game. Was that the most recent one? The one that, that they, got, they had to pull all the copies from the shelves? No, that was Too Human, actually. Uh, Too Human was the one where they had to pull all the copies. Uh, as a result of their losing the lawsuit with Epic. Yeah. And so finally... I, I don't know. I, I can't help but look at this decision to do a Kickstarter for Shadow of the Eternals as Dennis Dyack basically going like, all right, well, fuck. The game that I always wanted to make, being Too Human, bombed. And I now have had to recall all of the copies to it. <sighs> Everybody's been saying I should do a sequel to this one game that everybody loves, so fuck it. I don't have anything... I have nothing else. I may as well. <laughs> it's either this or suicide. It, it's either this or close my company because oh, that they, too. they're I'm doing sorry. this through Kickstarter. They're not even doing it through a proper publisher. Um, it, but the the thing is, is that they had uh, they were running their own really weird crowdfunding on their own website um, at the same time as they were running a Kickstarter, and um, they were asking for uh, one point three five million. This isn't back in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only for the pilot episode, and then they were going to do later episodes after. Um, and they uh, they raised a hundred and twenty eight thousand uh, <laughs> dollars. Not quite a one point, whatever it was, million. And, and then they 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 killed it. They said, "Nope, we're canceling the Kickstarter." Um, and then they laid off a whole bunch of people. Wow. And uh, it recently came back to Kickstarter. So you can you can crowdfund it again. Uh, only now the uh, it's no longer episodic, and the new goal instead of one point three million dollars is uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. All right, yes. not the not the dumbest tactic in the world, um, but that's still a lot of money, and it's a lot of expectations from fans. But uh, we'll see. How is it? Just, did it just launch? Uh, it launched. Um... Almost a month ago, I think. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's it's not uh, an uncommon tactic for uh, a company to, you know, fail a Kickstarter, kind of take it back to the drawing board, and then relaunch, usually with a lower goal. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Well, as of this recording, the Shadow of the Eternals, right? Yep. It is uh, it 13 days left uh, to go for the Kickstarter. Okay. <laughs> it is at two hundred and forty-five thousand oh! dollars. 
of a play of a desire seven hundred and fifty k. So that's uh, that's not even oh, half. No. That's not even half. With thirteen days to go, it's a lot of money, man. It's barely a third. Yeah, I mean that's the problem with games. I mean, uh, Double Fine learned this only recently that like the the money they got is unprecedented. Was unpre- unprecedented, and and it's hard to make a triple or, or triple A quality. Let's just argue game for the amount of money you can even hope to raise on Kickstarter, even if it is over a million dollars, or even if it's up to three, like what Double Fine got. Um, it's just. Uh, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all that that we thought it could be for for games specifically. For everything else, pace, maybe with maybe the exception of making a a full-fledged movie on Kickstarter, um, the 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 monetary goals are reasonable. But but for games, they just seem to need so much money nowadays to to make things look like they're modern. It's just. It's it's a scary it's a scary uh, uh, resolve when you when you feel like the only option you have is Kickstarter because unless you get upwards of three or four or five million dollars, it's it's not going to be a competitor. I would argue, right? Uh yeah. Well, and I mean, I mean, even double fines. Um... Kickstarter, they they recently had to say like, oh well, we're actually going to break this up a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but I mean, Tim they, Tim they Schaefer, makes, they make they 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 they're sorry. Go ahead. Well, I I think that like I I, I don't know. I have kind of negative feelings about this, in that you know they they were given three million dollars, and Tim Schaefer basically admitted to not being able to scope a project properly according to budget. According to that. Um, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he basically said, like, well, we, we had planned on having X amount of dollars, and when we got more, I just went crazy and wanted yeah. to make a bigger game, and that ended up being way more than we got from the Kickstarter. So yeah, we're yeah. going to have to do this a little bit differently, and it's going to be episodic and whatever. And... I, but at I, I least they're adjusting to the changes. They're like, okay, this is maybe how we can do it. And Tim Chafer has been in the business for a while. He's not an idiot, but I guess you could argue that Dyak has been that way. But with 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 this Shadow of the Eternals game being the second attempt through Kickstarter, I got a feeling like this is a high stakes situation. He's like. If we don't get funded through Kickstarter, then fuck everybody. This game is done, and I quit life. But at least Tim Schafer is like, well, okay, how can we actually save this game? How can we actually get content to the players, to the people, to the backers? And he's actually trying to work within the means, and he's being transparent, to say the least. Um, it, it's, it's, in a sense, brave of him to say, <laughs> we fucked up, but you're still going to get a game. It's just going to take longer than than we expected. Yeah, I mean, in both cases, uh, Double Fine and... Um, what the hell is that other one? Pre- precursor? Sure. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what the actual finished product is. I mean, in the case of Precursor, 
there might not be a finished product since they're yeah. so far from their funding goal. I mean, I know that uh, there are a lot of stories on Kickstarter of eleventh um, hour pushes. Um, yeah, no, you know that's, that, that that's end up getting them there. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think, um, the, and the other difference is that Tim Schafer has a stronger success rate of making good games, whereas oh, big time, Dayak has not. Yeah, he has one game that everybody liked. What what was that game even? That was oh, Eternal Shadow. What that Eternal first... Darkness? There we go. God damn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything else they've made has been kind of crap. Huh. Yep. Oh, well. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's everything I have for news. Um, There is the one thing that came out this week, I think it was. I mean, it's not really news or really anything to talk about, but it's it's more Microsoft capitulation to desires of the public. Oh, the, yeah. The With the Xbox One... Having at least one gold account on your Xbox One will right. open up all the, the services to any account that is on that machine. So you can have the main Xbox Gold account, and and and, and if your younger sister has like a silver account, if they're even if they're even keeping that designation, um, that she'll have access to Netflix and anything else that you want. Which is, I mean, that's smart. You know, it is. Uh, it makes it really does make the 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 machine um, open to the entire household, which is kind of what they were pushing with the reveal event um, back in whenever they did that. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, Microsoft has been kind of all over the place um, as far as their their their, their policies have been since E three. Um, they're trying hard. I'll give them that. They're really making that push now to try to make up the ground they lost. <laughs> They're really trying to recover. Um, Did you hear Xbox One is now coming with a headset? Yes. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. All right. Great. Um, I, I think that was a ridiculous thing to not have come with. Did your you hear that? Chris console. just can't. Chris just canceled his PS4 pre-order. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's good that they're at least somewhat reacting um, to the negative yeah. uh, press in a in a good way. I think that this um, this gold sharing idea is, is a great idea. Yeah, yeah. But but the question still looms, and and I don't think we'll have an answer until the systems come out. But is it too little, too late? We'll find out next time. On Known Griefers Radio. No, not really. Um, yeah, only time will tell. That's it. Yes, That's indeed, all there indeed. is. <laughs> only time will tell um, well, how this is going to turn out for them. Um, I, I think that... Uh, I think that... I mean, they said a lot of the... Um, the really cool features, the the really cool next gen features that they had planned, were directly tied into and made possible because of their always online uh, functionality. And I think that's kind of bullshit. Um, I, I think that a lot of that really cool functionality is made possible regardless of whether or not your system is always online. Like this, you know, and, and that's showing, like, with this whole new, um, you know, gold program that they're having. Um, you know, it, but when when they initially kind of capitulated to the uh, 
the internet in general. Um, they, they basically said, well, we had all these really cool ideas, but, you know, because you guys bitched, we're not going to be able to do any of it now. And now they're kind of walking <laughs> that back a little bit and going, no, we can do this. You know, I think this whole home gold program is actually really awesome. And oh, yeah. um, I, I'm really interested, interested to see how, actually how much of that functionality they bring back, despite the fact that the system will not be always online. Yeah. But uh, they, they seem to be making the right moves. They, 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 I'm not as skeptical or vitriolic as maybe I once was. Um, so maybe they actually are doing some pretty good damage control. And, and everything I've seen online, at least, has been positive. But yeah, like you said, only time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. It's all about the games at this point. We'll, you know, and, and we won't know about that until the system comes out. That's when games will happen. Yeah, exactly. Good job, um, Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> Pregnant pause. So I think we're ready to go into burning question for answer. So hot. Uh, let's see. Last week's burning question was, uh, what is your first video game memory? Dan, were you uh, were you around to answer that question? I was, and I was all over the place. I uh, I remembered seeing a Nintendo for the first time, but then you reminded me of having a Commodore sixty four, which at least mine barely played I games did. at all. So yeah, or someone did. How in the hell did I remind you of that? Maybe it was Pat that brought up this the Commodore sixty four. I would say it was probably Pat. I get you guys I... confused. You look so alike. You're both beautiful. And uh, I, you're both just just beaming rays of light in my eyes, even yep. though I've never seen any of either of you in person. Well, uh, you see me on Facebook. You, you know what's up. Oh, have I? Quite. Are we even friends on Facebook? I hope so. We have to be at this point. I'm sure we are. I've stalked your your pictures long enough. Uh, what? Nothing. Anyway, so burning question. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, yeah, so last week's question was, what is your very first video game memory? Uh, we had a couple of responses. Uh, Belinda Harrington responded, uh, the sound of the duck hunt gun. Um, <laughs> and and that, that really took me back, because that, that, that is one of my earliest memories, for sure. Absolutely, I can hear it. You know, I, it's, it's <laughs> quite... I mean, both the actual like clicking of the actual gun, as well as the duck hunt, the sound that the gun made in duck hunt. It's <laughs> Yep. The, the the click of that spring and then just that weird kind of shotgun sound that it makes in the game. That weird like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the uh, of the duck falling or 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 when you miss of the uh, the dog laughing at you. Fuck that dog. Stupid dog. <laughs> I don't know who uh whose comment this is. They commented as Known Griefer's blog, so it could only have been either Chris or Pat. <laughs> uh said my dad invited one of his coworkers over to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on NES to show me the end of the game since I could never get past the first few levels. That game was impossible. Um, I only played a little bit of, uh, of the NES version with Patrick. Um, I, I played a lot more of the SNES version when I was a kid, though. Sure. Well, it was a totally different game. The NES game was this weird, nigh-open-world kind of adventure game. And uh, I remember... It, it, it's probably brilliant, to be perfectly honest. But all of us Ninja Turtle fans who were like eight, nine, or ten years old when 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 that 
game came out when when the Ninja Turtles were at the height of their popularity, we're expecting just like a a beat 'em up. But we got this weird kind of complex adventure game, and we didn't know what to do with it. And as such, we thought it was probably really hard and impossible, and got really angry and just disowned it. But as um, tends to happen. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting game, and uh, I would not be surprised if you needed an adult to come over to finish that game for 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 anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, I actually hadn't really thought much about this week's uh, burning question. Um, Dan, do you have any ideas? No. Oh, I should have prompted you for this earlier. Oh goodness. Um. Uh... Uh, okay, here's one. Um, okay. What it, this week's burning question for answers so hot is, um, what is a game that you are ashamed to have not played yet? You know, uh, usually these are games that are very highly acclaimed critically. Sure, uh, sure. These are games that your friends are all telling you that you need to play this game. But for some reason, you just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe it's just something that hasn't piqued your interest. Maybe you've just got a whole bunch of other games. Maybe you're just too goddamn busy to play them. But, uh, you know, the fact that you haven't played this game uh, gnaws on you, wears away at you. Luckily, being a a console gamer, I have many of these uh, games to uh, hide from public (laughs) view. But uh, up until recently, probably the immediate answer would have been Assassin's Creed. But uh, as far as being an Xbox owner, I've never played a, Ge- a Gears of War. Um, but in the in the larger scheme scheme of things, I've never I've seen it played. I have all my all my close friends are big fans. I've never played um, a Blizzard game in my life. Yeah. Because I've never been a, a PC gamer, but uh, I, I I respect them, but I've never ever played one. Wow, that's that's incredibly surprising. I feel crucified. What's going on, guys? <laughs> wow. All right, no Blizzard games. Nope. I mean, to, I personally don't really like Blizzard games that much, so I would say you're not really missing out on much. <laughs> Sure, I, I, it's not a matter of not liking. I, I, I think there. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a reason why they're popular. They're they're probably playable and 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 good, if if you're looking for that kind of thing. But uh, w- with the RTS games that they make, I just don't think I'm smart enough to play them. And so when I actually got a computer that could play those games, I just figured, why bother? I'd get my ass kicked anyway. Um, much and and I, I'm not even talking about playing with people online. I'm just talking about the computer. I'm like, I don't, I don't need a computer to tell me I'm dumb. I have my parents for that. Just joking. I love your mom. Um, but, uh, and then there's also, you know, World of Warcraft and the MMORPG genre in, in its own right that I've never um, been a part of and really have no desire to partake in it. Just, I, I don't care for games that are endless. Yeah, um, MMOs in general are pretty insufferable for me. Um, and I, I generally, to be honest, I find um, Blizzard games in general to be the most um, kind of basic, stripped-down versions of whatever genre they are in. Sure, sure. Um, 
So I, I generally don't find Blizzard games to be very interesting. Okay, I've never played Dune 2, which oh, I know is not no. Blizzard. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Uh, you know, I, I, it's difficult. I mean, I, there are a lot of games that I am frequently told that I I should play. Um, you know, one that I, that I really... Uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I have... It's not that I haven't ever played it, but that I haven't played it since uh, a very long time. I can't even remember. Um, is uh, Legend of Zelda. Um, uh. I... I you know, I've dabbled in it because I, I've never owned a Nintendo console, but all of my friends growing up did. So, you know, I've, I've seen it played, um, and I, I've played very little of it myself. Um, I've never played a, a Legend of Zelda game all the way through. I'm told that they're very good, but I have sure. no idea that that is true for myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely one that I, you know, I mean... Uh, you, it's funny, like, I had a Sega Genesis when the Sega Genesis was relevant, but I, <laughs> I, I like, I was never really aware, um, I was never really aware of, like, what games were good, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't, I, I didn't have a subscription to any magazines or anything like that, so it was like, well, I'll just play whatever, you know, whatever games my parents buy me, like, I don't know mm -hmm. what else is out there, so... Uh, you know, there's there's a lot from that generation that I hear about as having been very good um, that I that I just never got around to. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, kind of on the opposite end, I'm feeling that more now than I did back then. I was a spoiled only child, and I got a lot of the good games for Nintendo and Super Nintendo. But when it became a matter of spending my own money and realizing I had none, I actually, if if you're to ask me, which I guess what the question was, if you're asked to ask me my any actual shame I feel for not having played a specific game. I do feel bad for not having played Uncharted 2. I, I feel bad oh. for not having played Last of Us. Um, I feel bad for not playing Journey. And if you notice the connection, it's all because it's tied to the PS3. I made my. <laughs> I feel like I made my choice with the 360, and it's like... Do is now the time to buy a PS3? Should I wait till PS4? Are those games going to be available for the PS4? I don't know what to do. Because um, that means committing to the next generation. It's this weird nebulous area right now, but I, I really want to play those games, and I feel like I am less of a person for not having played those games, to be perfectly honest. So I can say Blizzard, but that's more of a point of pride, to be perfectly honest. But uh, actually not playing Uncharted 2, which I hear is amazing and, and a game changer, but also Last of Us and, and, and the classics that have come out for PS3, especially in the last couple of years, um, is, is a point of shame for me. Yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat with you. Um, and 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 uh, you know, Pat Pat actually um, a little while ago brought over his PS3 and showed Chris and I Last of Us, and I was just blown away by it. And um, yeah. you know, it, it made me want to buy a PS3. Although I do understand that um, PS4, uh, my understanding is that it will have. Um, the capability to stream or somehow emulate a lot of the PS3 games. So, yeah. you know, buying a PS3 may not necessarily be the right choice. Um, if you buy a PS4, you, you, you may end up just being able to stream all of those uh, great PS3 games that you missed out on anyway. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of torn between... I could buy a Wii for like a hundred bucks yeah, and just use it as stupid. a virtual con well no just use it as a virtual console because i don't want to play any fucking wii or wii u games 
<laughs> I just want to play those old games and have them look not ridiculous on my TV. That's fair. Um, but either that or like playing or buying a PS3. I don't know. Because I, I still haven't made my choice in the next generation yet. Um, it's it, That's the thing that's still putting me... That's, that's now putting me off from from playing those awesome games that I know I should play. I don't know. It's all confusing. It's a, it's a rough life, man. It's uh keeps me up at night. It's so tense. Not really. First world problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's fine though. All right. Good. Um, good answer. What do you guys think at home listening? Yes. Or in the gym? Do people listen to video game podcasts at the gym or is that too much to assume? Uh they they might. I've never um, been to a gym. I know that, like, when I'm running on the treadmill, I just listen to zombies run. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, a, I'm on a treadmill right now. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, uh, listeners at home um, or wherever you may be, uh, answer <laughs> our uh, burning question for answer so hot uh, on the show page or on the Facebook page. Um, what is one game or series that you are ashamed to have not played? And we will. Read your responses on the show. Excellent. Indeed. I think we are ready to go. I think so, too. All right. Uh, well, there are some things coming up on the site. Oh, yeah? That I think will be good. Like? Some stuff. <laughs> stuff. Some important stuff. Yep. That's great. Watch out for that. Yeah, look out for the stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. watch out for uh, Dan Bethel's in-depth um, breakdown of the Assassin's Creed series as a whole. <laughs> It'll be a book. <laughs> That's the only way it can be. Just all the the, the the things I have to say about it cannot be contained, apparently. Do it. Published by KGB... KGB? KGB... Where's the beat come from? Hold up. Oh, blog. Okay, sorry. Yep. KGB Press. Dan Bethel's treatise on Assassin's Creed. Do it. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to try. I, I'm going to try to uh, maybe do now that the Summer of Arcade is unleashed upon the Xbox. I might do uh, another Trials by Fire. Oh yes. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm really, really excited for. Com- only nostalgic reasons for that new Ninja Turtles game that they're making. It looks pretty good. And oh, yeah? I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's called Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. And it looks like they are doing some severe fan service as well as trying to make a fun game. And uh, Brothers, the first game of the summer of arcade, uh, was released recently. I, I, I've downloaded the demo. I haven't played it, but it seems really innovative and interesting. And uh, there's another game, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like about a punk band or something like that. It's a beat-em-up. It looks really interesting and weird. Is that Skullgirls? No. Oh. Charlie Murder. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Kind of looks like almost like a... Has a tone of something like Brutal Legend, even, but it's a 2D beat-em-up. With a visual aesthetic similar to, uh, is it Behemoth Games that made like uh, uh, Castle Crashers and uh, what's that? Their first game about an alien that shoots shit. 
I own it. What's it called? The Maw? No, it's after that. Um, God damn it. Well, I don't know. Alien Hominid. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's them. Yep. But it just kind of has that aesthetic, but with sort of like a heavy metal slash punk rock theme behind it. It looks interesting. I'm, I'm interested to check it out. Summer of Arcade. Now you learn my bias is Trials by Fire and why I stopped doing it, because I only have an Xbox, and I felt like I wasn't really covering the gamut of Trials that were out there, and I felt like a fraud. I think you did a great job. So I just I stuck to reviewing Mass Effect 3 controversies and Tomb Raider. <laughs> you did a great job. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thanks, pal. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you uh, are we'll the have... wind beneath my wings. All right. I love you, Rock. Ah, oh, thanks, buddy. Let's make out. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, well, um, we'll have uh, another KGB surveillance going up this week. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I was kind of flattered. The creators of Kerbal Space Program watched our um, KGB surveillance of Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> that was no pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that was cool. Um, I think we're going to have the, uh... <laughs> Where they're like, uh, you played our game wrong, dude. Uh, the guy specifically said, um, that first ship made me feel like a rocket hero. Oh. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> Props to Pat. Good job, Pat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um... I think the next one we're going to have going up is probably from uh, Sang Fra. I do not know how to pronounce that game. A Tale of Werewolves. That's the, yeah, the, the, is it the, the, the Lager Werewolf yep. mythology game out of French Canada? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat was in the driver's seat for that one. Uh, yeah. So I think that's probably the next one. God, he, should, he should probably take over Trials by Fire. He plays much more interesting games than I do. <laughs> Um, so that, that'll probably be going up this week, too. Um, so, yeah. Uh, answer our uh, burning question on the Facebook page. Um, follow us uh, on Twitter at uh, known underscore griefers. Um, like us on Facebook. Uh, known griefers blog. Subscribe on iTunes, hopefully. Yeah, do that. Rate us. It's been uh, about a million years since we've had a uh, a review. So, you know. Give us honest reviews. A lot of uh, podcasts just say, "Give us five star reviews." You know what? Um, give us, give us what you feel in your heart. You know, I like if, it. If you think we're a one star podcast, that's fine. Just rate us a one star. This this episode might be a one star podcast. No, no, this is a five star. Entirely too much Bethel. No, that's that's not possible. There's no such <laughs> thing. So thank anyway, you, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, I think we're going to go. Uh, Dan, thank you uh, for joining us tonight. It's, it was a pleasure as always. Um, I'd say uh, you could check out Ebon07, although uh, this last week uh, was my very last page uh, as, an, as the artist of Ebon07. So uh, my tenure on Ebon07 at Ebon07.com has ended, but... Uh, Check it out. There's a bunch of there's five years, no six years of stories there, and I'm uh, gonna be moving on to other things for a while. So uh, keep tuned in to here and Ebon07, and we'll let you know what's going on. But uh, yeah, 
at the very least, I'll try to show up on KGB radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I don't know if you want to say what you're working on now, but I'm just going to tell you that I will happily make myself available to you as a voice talent in your next project. <laughs> Excellent. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, no, I'm not ready to announce it. It is still larval. If you need someone to play a drunken homeless person, I think you know who to call. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. But uh, if I have a classy uh, skis bucket that I need to <laughs> fill, I'll call uh, Pat. Yep. And if I need just a, a a nice American stand-up citizen, I'll definitely call Humor Tumor. Ah, god damn it! A transvestite hooker with herpes. Uh, I'll call Zach. you up. No, you call oh. Zach. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. Uh... So I feel like I've given up. I've given too much away. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um. Yeah. I guess that's it then. Uh... Woo. All right. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Have a wonderful night. Goodbye. Bye.